Excellent. An ale for me. And for my officers. In fact, ales for everyone. Turn backwards. With Rick and Rick and Will and Gemma. Oh, yes. <clears throat> Hello and welcome to another episode of Ten Backward, a Star Trek podcast based in merry old England. I'm Rick Palmer and I'm joined as ever by my wonderful co-hosts, Gemma Turland. Hello. Will Turland. Hello. And Rick Everson. Hello. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about an episode of the original series called Obsession. Uh, Season two of the original series, I think. And the reason we're talking about this is because in a previous episode, we chatted with Aaron Waltke, who is one of, is a writer and producer of Star Trek Prodigy. And in an episode of that, there features a character who is also in this episode. So that is why we're talking about this episode of the original series. Yeah. So we're not, we're not defending this one, are we? Because it's not actually one that's got a bad rep, so... No, it's just one we're sort of curious about, I suppose. Yeah, it's been a while since we've talked about the original series in a uh, in outside of a situation where we're having to defend it. <laughs> <laughs> but just to be clear, we're not attacking this episode. We're not attacking. We're not taking episode. it from that stance. No, no. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not. It's not as binary. Our, our podcast is not quite as binary as that. No, it's not either defend or attack. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm, I'm fed up with doing this in defence episodes. Let's tear some episodes down. Hey, everyone loves this episode. Let's tell everyone it's shit. <laughs> I think it, I think for me it was it was more the when I watched that episode of, of Prodigy, I had a vague I had a vague understanding of who Garavik was, but I didn't know precisely. So I thought I'd find out. I wanted to know what he'd been in before. So, and it was this episode. So, really, that's that's where my idea for us talking about it came from. Mm. Yeah, because um, I think in the course of our conversation, Aaron told us that uh, they were they wanted to like pick up on a red shirt who had survived, and they had a bit of a job finding one. So Garavik was kind of one of the few red shirts who had survived. Um, and then Prodigy had probably killed him off, so... <laughs> yeah, kind that... of like, finish the job the TOS started. <laughs> yeah, that, that was his reward for surviving. Yeah. To be murdered in a different way. I mean, he wasn't murdered; he died. He, yeah, he yeah. lived a life on that planet anyway. So. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, <laughs> he, was, he was murdered by time. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, so it opens up on apparently they the Enterprise has discovered a um, some materials to mine on a new planet. Um, they have some lovely sparkly rock that apparently is. 20 times harder than diamond. Yeah. Um, it, it's funny the way, the way Kirk sort of picks, picks up a bit and, and just kind of chucks it. It doesn't, it doesn't look like it's 20 times harder than diamonds, <laughs> but you know, I've never seen anything that's 20 times harder than diamonds. So maybe that is what it would look like. Yeah. To be fair. Yeah. No one says it. it's funny how we can just phaser it off, isn't it? Even though it's so hard. 
makes you think. <laughs> I, I did quite like that phaser effect where there was clearly not a pre-prepped bit ready to drop off. It just sort of pops up. Yeah, it just sort of pops up. I, I chuckled at that too. Like I I have no problem with this conceit in the episode, but it's it's funny how this is like a super tough material, but you can just phaser it off like it's yeah. polystyrene. <laughs> <laughs> Which it I, I, certainly is. It's just one of those bits where obviously it's, you know, they didn't have the most expansive budgets. The practical effects had to be done in the best way, but that one it's just one of the bits of the series charm is where there's one of those effects that is just like, whoop, there it goes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also, I mean, you know, they make good use of... Um, winding the film backwards when we see the creepy smoke come over the ridge. Yeah. And then then when Kirk uses a phaser, the smoke becomes frightened and withdraws in a beautiful bit of exact reverse. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's it. I I mean, this, this leads into the the crux of the episode, but I, uh, I like that. I think that's a, I, I think that's a reasonable way to sort of, portray this creature like given given the time that this episode was made given the nature of this 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 creature that is sort of at the heart of the episode i thought i thought the effects for it were were pretty decent yeah one of those things that they did they did really good work with you know considering everything they had and um, yeah it is genuinely this point that smoke comes does sort of billow over there and you'd be like whoa what's that and it works quite nicely because Kirk uses a face and then the, the, the smoke withdraws it's like the smoke's coming over and then it's like oh they got guns am I so. <laughs> yeah they got guns which, which can't hurt me <laughs> but still <laughs> I'll well, back the, off the gun just blasted a piece off something that's 20 times harder than diamond Well, <laughs> that's if, I, if I was a creepy murder smoke I'd be a bit concerned <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't want to just assume I was impervious yeah and I mean it, the if you think about how effective the kind of uh, men in rubber suit alien monsters we see, uh, you know, how effective they still are sort of 50 years later, not not very, I would say. <laughs> oh, you know, the Horter, and, you know, I love the episode with the Horter, <laughs> Devil in the Dark, but it is it is like a guy crawling around with a duvet on top of him, um, and you, 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 can, you can really tell that. And, okay, that's <laughs> That, like we said, that is part of the charm of the. You admire the you admire the effort. Like it's the, yeah, it's, yeah. the it's the craft. It's the craft that you appreciate, and it doesn't it doesn't detract from the episode at all. Like it doesn't make it any less enjoyable, and it doesn't yeah. it doesn't sort of mean that you you can't follow the story, or it doesn't damage the story at all. I think. I think it's yeah. it was it's, it was definitely one of the the strengths of the original series that it wasn't afraid to have a go at portraying something really alien, whether yeah. that be something like the Horta or the um, or a monster that is purely smoke. Um, yeah. It's having a go. It's playing with the concept. And I think when you get to later Trek's next-gen DS9, they lost that. And you, you think there, there wasn't that many efforts to really portray something that was so far out there. Um, without you know, falling back on CGI, you know, Voyager obviously heavily relied on the CGI and gave us things like Species 8472. Mm. DS9 kind of made a bit of a joke of it by having lots of dialogue references to, say, Lieutenant Vilix Pran, who was 
who had leaves and wings and loads of kids and kept budding to have all these like hatchlings and you're just like what the heck is this guy but there was never, you know, there was never going to be an effort to show that because and the writers were clearly just playing yeah but, um so yeah i always sort of felt you've got to credit uh tos with not being afraid to stick a a carpet on someone and say they're, they're a rock monster or something like that so. yeah mm-hmm. yeah or pump a bunch of dry ice mm. uh, onto a set and say it's a it's an alien uh, gas cloud yeah yeah you know, um, I, I think it works. Well, I, I always remember something reading, I think, in one of Shatner's um, movie biographies. When they're making Five, they had the, the legendary rock monsters that were ultimately cut and didn't, didn't work. Mm. But when they were first setting up, the way that rock monsters work was to billow smoke out of all the joints, which partially obscure the joints of the costume, uh, but also look super creepy. Um, and it was literally, there was a bloke, um, there's two or three blokes smoking packs of cigarettes, blowing smoke into these air bladders within the costume. <laughs> oh <laughs> You're just like, oh my God, some people must have already messed up their lungs and throat just to make these rocks, and they end up not working, not being used. So, I don't want to be in that union, you know. <laughs> yeah. The world of practical effects, I mean. Yeah. Um, so, yes, uh, Kirk smells the smoke um, and it obviously triggers something he sent he sends his security guys off mm. um, and they're swiftly dispatched and he well he mm. tells them to tells them if they if they Kill see it. anything to, to fire immediately doesn't he yeah which none of them yeah. do no no, no. <laughs> so, yeah he could have literally told them nothing and it would <laughs> made any difference yeah set your phasers on disruptor B if you see any gaseous cloud, fire immediately. You're on red alert. Admittedly, two are kind of taken by surprise, but the other one just stands and watches them. Yes. Yeah. Rizzo. Yeah. Rizzo, yeah. <laughs> yeah he doesn't, he doesn't but, even know to communicate until it, this cloud kills the other guys and approaches him. So. Is it, it is one of those episodes that relies heavily on, at least in the beginning... Um, people not communicating fully because he doesn't actually tell anyone uh, halfway mm. through the episode exactly what this is all about. Yeah, because yes. we we are treated to uh, scenes of Kirk being well, basically coming across across quite irrational. Um, he literally says, I think, at one point because that they're worried that they've, they've got a rendezvous with the York Town to transfer mm. these medicines which are needed to fight a plague. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, he's, he says, um, right, well, on, on my authority as captain, we're investigating what's killed these men down on the planet, and you know, people might die, but we're going to do it. He literally yeah, says that. People yeah. are going to die, that's on me. Yeah. 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 Gentlemen, we are remaining in orbit until I find out more about those deaths on my responsibility. I'm perfectly aware that it might cost lives on Theta 7, Kirkout. Um, I, I am slightly, I was slightly amused because early on, Scotty is really bothered about this rendezvous with the Yorktown. The medicine for Theta Seven Colony is not only needed desperately; it has a limited. Stability. I'm aware of the situation, Engineer, and I'm getting a little tired of my senior officers conspiring against me. <laughs> um, I'm just not slightly curious as to why Scotty's so bothered. McCoy, 
absolutely it's a medicinal thing it's a plague mm. and see why it is his area spock first officer absolutely needs to be on kirk's case but not sure why scott is but scott's really bothered <laughs> i guess he's in charge though isn't he because he's is he in charge is there a point where he's in charge like he's a senior officer on the bridge or something he is, well there's a point where kirk is in sick bay and spock and scotty keep chipping in over each other on the calm. They're both on the bridge. They're really Spock's got seniority. I, 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 chuckled, I chuckled at that scene because I'm like, well, where are they looking? Like, where are they, where are they looking on the bridge? Like, <laughs> um, but I, I just assume, though, Scotty knows a guy on the on the Yorktown. He gets him the really good green booze. So that's why he's... <laughs> yeah, that could be it. Could be <laughs> But um, as, to, as, as Gemma says, it is very much about the communication because um, what I really like is Spock and McCoy have this awesome talk about it. Um, Spock like evaluates it, says, okay, he's acting a bit irrational, looks into it, and then he goes straight to talk to McCoy about it. I need your advice. Then I need a drink. I do not understand your reasoning. You need advice from me. You must be kidding I do not joke, Doctor. Yeah. And I think that's one of those great things about the, the, the trio in this one, is that Spock and McCoy both recognise these problems and they sort of plan together how they're going to deal with or approach Kirk about mm. this. And I, I really like McCoy's surprise that Spock <laughs> has come to him. <laughs> that's a really nice moment. He's like, he what are you doing, Spock? <laughs> yes. what do yeah, what do you want? You want my advice? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Kirk makes an interesting log entry uh, where he says, he questions whether he has the right to put his crew at risk. Have I the right to jeopardise my crew, my ship, for a feeling I can't even put into words? I I would say no in this case. (laughs) I agree. Yeah, no. You are being irrational. He says in the log thing, am I letting... My, the past, the horrors of my past, distort my judgment. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, you yeah. are. You just described the the, the synopsis. <laughs> yeah, you know that's what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. I I would go to the rendezvous while you're doing that. Have Spock analyze all the sensor readings, come up with a plan, and then come back. Mm. But also, you you leading on from the conversation between uh, uh, Spock and Bones, you have the the scene where um, McCoy confronts um, Kirk <laughs> and then does that wonderful reveal. It says, and I'm, I'm, I've written up my report to the, the higher ups. Uh, that's That's basically saying you're not fit for duty. And I have, all it needs is another, um, the superior oh. officer yeah, to, yeah. to sign his name on it and then he opens the door and it's pow it's Spock <laughs> it's like they've set this up beautifully they have. I am preparing a medical log entry on my estimation of the physical and emotional condition of a starship captain which requires a witness of command grade So how long was Spock standing? He's <laughs> <laughs> waiting for his cue. I mean, he's, he's a professional. Um, yeah, yeah, but they do all this. So they're, so they're basically saying, 
um, we don't think you're fit for duty. We don't. We think you're acting irrationally. We, you know, I think you you've you cannot command the ship at the moment because you've gone all doolally. Then Kirk explains himself, mm. um, and then they're fine with it. <laughs> but it, but he's still irrational. He's yeah, still... Kirk's, Kirk's explanation isn't a rational no. explanation, is it? No, and it's it just... totally unirrational, irrational, and um, it's totally based on gut feelings and his trauma in the past and these kind of weird. I had the sense that it was sentient. I have think that it's out to get us, and they and they're like. Meh. Okay. Uh, yeah, okay. Well, that sounds Fine. fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> we should let all those people die who needed <laughs> yeah. that medicine. You're Not to mention right. the, the, the people that are probably going to die through this chase. Mm. Um, so. And there's, there's something else as well that's interesting is that, that we, we're introduced to Ensign Garabic. He's a new member of the security team. Mm. And his, his dad, like his father... Mm. was the captain of the USS Farragut, which 11 years ago was attacked by what Kirk believes is the same creature. And a lot of people died in that incident. But but Ensign Garavik has sort of, he's moved on. Like, he doesn't he doesn't blame yeah. Kirk at all for what happened. There's no, I, I found that really interesting in the episode. I'm not sure if it was intentional at all. Um, but, like, Garavik has no... Like he doesn't have a problem with Kirk at all. Like he's moved on from from whatever grief he had mm-hmm. about that, and and I, I found that interesting. Like like that. Yeah. Like in, in any other, it's interesting that they introduce that character with that connection, but there isn't that sort of emotional connection between the characters. Yeah. Whereas it's actually it's Kirk who hasn't moved on, isn't it? In in the yeah. story, we discover it's Kirk that's that's really bothered by that. Yeah, that, that's a good point. You'd you'd expect that, that 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 character would be the one who has the problem. It's it's kind of also that Kirk transfers, well, not transfers, but brings Garavik in to have the same issue because mm. he berates him for a hesitation, basically seeing him himself in the same role. He's berating himself in a way. But yeah, he's just projecting yeah. onto him, isn't he? But then, because Garavik takes that role personally, yeah. and he starts developing a similar problem blaming himself and it's just like oh now you're just messing the crew up yeah <laughs> yeah as Mackay said you're a little hard on the boy <laughs> you were a little hard on the boy Jeff. you froze one man was killed another may die Captain scientifically you'll both be filing reports make your comments and recommendations <laughs> well, I, I like that I like that um, Nurse Chaffel then there's a little scene where she forces him to eat his dinner um, <laughs> through some, I, some sort of clever psychology. Yeah, it, it seems weird to me initially. I'm like, why is Chapel bringing him dinner? Mm. I mean, why is he getting room service? Yeah, that is a bit odd. Well, it is it? a bit odd, but yeah. she's she's taking her nursing duties yes. to the yeah. next level. Yeah. I think that's all it is. I'd I think it's it's important anything. they have that bit afterwards where McCoy queries it and she's and he says, ah. But it still doesn't explain 
why his dinner is Play-Doh shapes. No, no. Yeah. He, yeah, yeah, he, he really had a tree of... hates those cubes, doesn't he? They are his, they are his worst, worst meal. Worst. He's like, it's oh, my worst day. It's just coloured shapes. Not again. <laughs> cereal's too big for my bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Something's dead. I told you, Christine, I'm not hungry. Dr. McCoy thought you might say something like that. This is his officially logged prescription for you. It has one word on it, eat. Now, if you don't follow his orders, Dr. McCoy could and possibly would have you hauled down to sickbay and fed intravenously. <laughs> but it did, it did make me chuckle that it's like... It's, it's quite an old-fashioned idea that, you know, if you're really upset about something, you definitely you need to eat your dinner. <laughs> Nurse Chapel is his mum. It's like, would you, and he's a mom. kind of a moody teenager. Yeah. And, you know, he's had a tough day at school. It's like, well, you've got to eat your, you've got to eat your, your multicoloured shapes. <laughs> They'll put hairs on your chest. <laughs> So, I mean, there are some hair sets you can get where you push it through like a guy and the hair comes out the top. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Um, oh, I think it's like before the dinner bit as well, we um, we get they start chasing the cloud creature down. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're chasing it. They're pushing the engines hard. Scotty is getting really upset. At one point, mm-hmm. he looks like he's going to burst into tears. <laughs> And it was, I was a little bit worried for him. I think <laughs> this is why we need a ship's counsellor. Yeah. Uh, and I know McCoy's going around happily prescribing strip clubs, but I don't think, I don't think Scotty's, it, it, that was not the right treatment for Scotty. Hey, what will cure everything is eating your dinner up. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you eat your he's dinner up, his Play-Doh, he'd be fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, they really do need a ship's counsellor because their their geez. attitude to mental health is, is um, yeah. uh, go to a strip club you, or eat your play-doh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I do I I I actually really liked the the scenes where Kirk is acting quite irrationally mm-hmm. and, and difficult. And it builds up a nice little mystery in the episode. It's like, well, why is Kirk behaving like this? Mm. You know, what's what's his deal? And, you is you know, is it like, has he, has he been possessed by something? Is he, um, you know, what's, what's the story here? Like, why mm. is he acting out of character? And I like that there is a, the explanation for it isn't, it's not a sci-fi explanation. It's it's you know a thing that happened in his past. Yeah. That's, yeah, it's it's rooted in a past cool. trauma. Um, yeah, I know. I know what you said about how when they sort of talk it through with him, he's still acting quite rational. But I still, I think from then at least he's talked it through. And Spock and McCoy do have a huge amount of trust in him. So I think, given that he's opened up, they're more willing to allow or to let him carry this through. And trust isn't is. Instincts a bit more, but there's also overhanging there him the awareness that they will team up and stop him if if he goes too far. So hopefully, I mean, are they re- relying on that? Are they thinking he's going to be just a bit more wary mm. if he gets too irrational? They will. They're, they're, they're still ready to take him. Well, as in out getting too irrational, as in exploding an antimatter bomb on a random planet <laughs> <laughs> to blow up a creature that was possibly only defending itself in the first place. <laughs> they get, I mean, yeah, they ultimately, they, they have a, 
very military approach to this that it's it's killed before and that you have to just treat it as a threat and mm-hmm. blow a massive crater you can see clearly see from it's almost a quarter of that planet <laughs> when they leave at the end it's almost a quarter of that planet is crater <laughs> yeah it's a, a overkill you could <laughs> yeah. say um I mean, before that, you know, we get a we get a sort of a, a kind of there's a bit of a cat and mouse kind of a chase where the Enterprise is is going after the cloud as it's as it's flying through space and they can barely keep up with it and then it then it turns on them mm-hmm. and attacks them and like all of that stuff all of that stuff's quite exciting I think and there's the uh, I like the way that that plays out yeah and there's the uh, the scene where they they fire at it but it um, and discover that it actually has no effect mm. so and then there was there's the discussion of because we haven't discussed exactly why kirk is what his trauma was have we whatever it is doctor whatever it is wouldn't you call it deadly yes there's no doubt about that and what if it is the same creature that attacked 11 years ago from a planet over a thousand light years from here Obviously, Captain, if it is an intelligent creature, if it is the same one, if it therefore is capable of space travel, it could pose a grave threat to inhabited planets. A lot of ifs, I agree. That he hesitated. Yeah, and he feels that he yeah. hesitated to fire. And then it. so it, he gave it enough time to attack. Yeah. And he he discovers then at that point that actually had he not have hesitated it wouldn't have made any difference because mm-hmm. their weapons had no effect on mm-hmm. it anyway and and yeah um the the, the ensign uh gavik yeah gaviscon he also you know he has the same discovery and mm-hmm. him and kirk kind of bond over the fact that they then actually they're 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 the thing that they're really hung up about was just all a bit silly yeah those <laughs> yeah. guys look at us they shouldn't have been blaming even themselves. though even though gaviscon wasn't blaming himself until kirk blamed him <laughs> yeah until kirk taught, yeah <laughs> that's a good point until kirk gave him a hard time about it yeah, yeah. I I really like that when when Lieutenant Gaviscon is in his quarters blaming himself because of Kirk, Spock comes down to give him a bit of a pep talk. Oh yeah. I quite like that. And it's like Spock's like, oh, okay, I'm tolerating the captain's irrationality to a point, but I'm now gonna have to go and fix the damage he's inflicting on the other officers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so. Yeah. But then, while he before he can finish his pep talk, that that cloud starts to come in through the uh, through the through the vent. I, I love that there is a. I don't remember seeing the, those vents in the quarters before with like a really big switch. <laughs> well, <laughs> just big enough to be knocked by a hurled tray. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. That that was a little bit odd. And then I and then of course Spock you know reacts quickly and tries to stop the clouds coming in through the vent like just by putting his hands over the vent. at first we, we we thought oh is he yeah. like he's trying to do a, a mind meld mm. with it you know he wants to understand he wants to try and understand it so he's, he's trying to connect with it and although that is equally like a little bit silly because <laughs> he wouldn't have to put his hands over the vent to do that but <laughs> That makes more sense than trying to stop 
He just displayed things. Because <laughs> he's not even like, he's not even got his hands like sensibly. He's not even covering <laughs> not all covering of the vent. You're right, he's displayed. Oh, you... <laughs> <laughs> Spock, what are you doing? Oh, no, it's coming through my fingers. <laughs> Science officer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Well, hey, it's his first time. It's his <laughs> first time trying to prevent that sort of creature coming through a vent. <laughs> That he could have, he could have, what he could have done is got a handful of that play-doh and stuffed oh, it into the bed. <laughs> oh, yeah. That would, that's ironic, isn't it? It's like this is see, this is why you have shapes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe he'd eaten all of his dinner by then. Maybe. So, ironically, Nurse Chapel um, did her job too well. Yeah. Mm. yeah the, they, I mean, there might have been hemoglobin, hemoglobin in the in the red shapes. There might have been. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah, it might not even have been um, in 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 the wonderful show Adventure Time. There's a vampiric character who doesn't need to consume blood. She just needs to consume things that are, that are red. Yeah. Um, Maybe that was the trick. Maybe that's yeah. the, the what they missed. Is like we don't. It doesn't eat hemoglobin. It just eats red things. Well, it's that's why. It went, that's why. And that's why it went for the red shirts because they were wearing true. red. That's true. a good point. Yeah, <gasps> it nailed it. It's like Marcel. It's like Marceline. Yeah, <laughs> it's like they left Spock alone because he was in blue. He's, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I I, so, yeah. But, so yeah, Spock does escape his encounter with the. With the gas. Yeah, because it turns out it's not interested in his, his green blood. His dirty green blood. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it, I mean, that, that does kind of raise an interesting point because at that scene, in that scene as well, is that the point where Kirk seems to sense uh, some kind of communication from the creature? He, yeah. sense, he senses the word home. Because of the smell. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. What? <laughs> Maybe it's home always smelled of farts and the creature smelled of farts. And like, that, maybe that was his connection. The smell of home. Farts. It's like in Red Dwarf when all the cat books are written by smells on the page. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, a, less, a less flatulence-based answer. <laughs> but it, but that, that scene does, to me, at that point, I, I felt like, okay, so this is this is sort of pointing the way that the episode's going to go so kirk has has got the sense that the creature maybe wants to go home is that what they're going to do are they going to take are they going to solve this by taking the creature back to to Mm. discover where its home is and take it back home and then you've got the the stuff they discover about uh, how it's not interested in spock's blood so they're going to work out what is it specifically that its food is and can they synthesize that and is that going to be the solution but they they forget about all of those things and they, they just get an antimatter bomb and just just blow the shit out of it. <laughs> it's like, oh it's not it's not a very Star Trek ending, is it, really? No. It's it is it's a bit of a surprise. Like I so say, they kind of take take a very military attitude that it's a known threat and elimination is their own option. Mm. Um, which is you know vastly different to how they ended up with the Horta. The water, Spock was willing to mind meld with a creature that basically his father melted through entire rock and, you know, just touching him would would have well just melted Spock. Mm. But he was like, eh, do you know what? I'm going to try and mind meld. Um, Mm. Clearly there's some sort of ability 
if 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 it could give Kirk certain senses just through contact, then surely, a, a, you know, Spock and his mind melting ability should have been able to make some sort of contact. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, actually, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because there are a lot of similarities between this and, and Devil in the Dark, yeah. but but the solution is entirely different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and at one point, don't they mention? Or I don't, it's one of the. There are quite a few leaps in this uh, where um, Perk decides that it's going back home to reproduce. Oh yeah, that, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> So well, therefore, we've got to kill it before it has babies, which is in the in Devil in the Dark, isn't it? Protecting its um, yeah, it's protecting eggs. its young, isn't it's it? Young. Yeah, yeah. There, there's like in Devil in the Dark, there there's loads of um, like silver silver spheres that the mm-hmm. miners the miners are like. We don't know what the hell these things are. They just they're just rubbish. But it's actually like the Horta's eggs, I think, yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, it's, I mean, I, I, know, I know we've picked the hell out of bits of it, but um, I really like the episode as a general thing. It, it, it's a great job of, like, having Kirk and his obsession. Shatner plays it very intense as well. Mm. Um, I generally like the theme, yeah, because actually probably there are going to be some things out there in space that are completely dangerous, but it just sort of falls to the point where, the bit where it falls over for me is that there there isn't any attempt by the crew to say, can we make contact? Is this mm. definitely a malevolent being yeah. just killing for the sake of it? Or is it, you know, is it instinctively trying to protect itself? Is, is, is it looking for food, not realising it's harming intelligence? You know, and it could have been one of those cases where if they'd made contact, once it realised it was hurting intelligent people, it might have been like, oh, shit. I didn't mean to. I did I had no idea. Yeah. I just thought you were like wandering bags of tasty red hemoglobins. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because it was it was killing for food, wasn't it? And even if mm. even when it t- they were chasing it and it turned and attacked them, well that was a defensive move. Yeah. So at no point did it maliciously attack. Mm. Yeah. Um f- for me if if, if they tried to explore that option a bit more. Spock and, mm. you know, Spock and McCoy had teamed up on Kirk and said, look, we need to find out what this thing is actually trying to do, not what you think it's doing. Because um, clearly there's intelligence. If it's if, if concepts like home and spawning and everything are, are what it's transmitting to Kirk. So um, yeah. And yeah, they could have then found out that it was just like a massive jerk who like killed for the sake of it. I'm not saying that never happens, but um, yeah, I just kind of felt that Spock and McCoy became quite a bit too passive in this. Mm, Yeah, Yeah. for my life, compared to something like Devil in the Dark. (coughs) Yeah, it's just just that they don't. You're right. It's that they don't explore any of those options, and I think you almost just needed sort of one scene. Where they maybe go through some of those options, and they have a reason why that you know they've tried to communicate it or with it uh, even, mm-hmm. or you know Spock does a mind meld with it, but he can't, he can't get anything from it. It's like it's it's impossible. It's too, it's too alien, um, and you know just enough to us to justify the the crew's actions in the end, and you know maybe even have Kirk 
feeling a little bit bad about what he's got to do. <laughs> but but he doesn't feel bad about nope. it at all. He's quite like he's almost sort of gleeful when they get down to the planet. Yeah. And he's going to going to bomb this, that creature. There's yeah. there's no indication there's any others of these. So this creature going there to spawn and them destroying mm. it, that could have been it. That's genocide. You've just wiped out the whole species. Yeah. 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 Because it upset you in the past. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's got yeah. there's, there's a bit of silly uh, uh-huh. sort of macho heroics at the end where judo chop. I'm going to be the one who stays here and 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 maybe get maybe sacrifices myself to destroy the clouds. Like, no, no, I'm going to do it because my dad was no, but I was really upset about it 11 years ago. So I'm going to do it. Gather, get back to the ship. Tell them to prepare to detonate. Captain, you're not going to be the bait. So get back to the ship. Ensign, I give you an order. Yes, sir. And then, yeah, <laughs> Kirk and, and Gaviscon uh, judo chop each other and then very quickly make friends. They do. And then they the go, ah, we'll both do it. They're like, oh, shit, the clown's here. <laughs> it is scary. Let's, um, <laughs> let's both be about after all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guys. So, yeah. so then they, they blow it up. Along with the planet, which they don't know what else. <laughs> they don't give a shit. They don't give a shit. <laughs> they didn't um, do any sort of survey no, <laughs> right, no. to see what, what life they might be wiping out. And uh, then they all have a laugh about it and get on with their lives. <laughs> there's no point where um, this this crazed chase, across, he's brought up for the crazed chase. Apparently he's right. In the end, he was right. <laughs> yeah, was yeah that's the conclusion. Yeah. Yeah. What's what's funny is they don't even they don't even check that, that the creature's dead. No. It's like they didn't even do any scans or anything, do they? They just have a little bit of a joke and then uh then you know, Kirk goes off with the ensign to, to tell him all about his father. Yeah. Oh Ensign, meet me in my quarters when you've cleaned up. I'd like to talk to you about your father. Several tall stories I think you'd like to hear. Thank you, sir. I would. But, like, are you sure that creature is dead? Because it's like it, it did seem to be impervious to, to normal weapons. Yeah, and it so, is a gas. Yeah. <laughs> like, maybe just run yeah. a scan. Right? Kirk assumed for years that if he fired the phasers earlier, that would have been it. Sorted. So yeah. I think you're making a dangerous assumption <laughs> that this creature would have been destroyed by that blast. But uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's like kind of like there's elements there of Devil in the Dark, as we've kind of got, talked about. There's maybe quite a few elements also of the Doomsday Machine, where you do have a relentless killer machine that has got to be stopped. It's a big threat. But the episode almost like flits between the two, can't decide which it's going for. Sells more on Doomsday Machine, but it's got too many elements of devil in the dark to justify the ending in a way yeah, yeah. and so sort of, I, I feel that yeah i always had quite fond memories of this one and i think looking at it for a lot of the episode it clips along at a good pace there's quite a fair bit of tension and drama in it yeah but I, I, yeah this time i kind of felt a bit dissatisfied because i'm thinking 
well, where's the effort to understand this creature, you know, to, as, a, as a life form? Kirk, one of the things that really gets everyone sort of on side with Kirk is saying, I got a sense from it. But, you know, mm-hmm. it, you're basically saying that I sensed it was intelligent. Mm-hmm. Well, what, 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 what was your mission? That You know, that bit at the start, after the three mm-hmm. rituals where you talk over the spaceship, what was your thing about the seek out new life and new civilizations? Because <laughs> I don't remember blow them the flip up being in that bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, I mean, I, I think that course of action might might be reasonable if you establish why it's reasonable. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And it, uh, but going back to what we were talking about, I just find it odd that... It's odd that there's no tension between Ensign Garavik and and Kirk. Like that's that would seem like that would drive the story more if Garavik did have an issue with Kirk because his mm. because of what happened on the Farragut. Like mm. you know, like not to I'm not sure if we mentioned this, but um, the the new Top Gun film <laughs> deals with this this issue in a in a in a in a very very good way it's uh, you know it's a it's a fantastic film maybe the best film of 2022 um and arguably but it deals with this tension between between someone who sort of where the son feel, where a son feels like a, a friend of the father was in at least partially involved in the death of his father and there's the tension there and that and the, and the resolution of that tension does drive the story forward alongside the main story, which is which isn't kind of really connected. And I feel it it, it just feels like an odd choice where the, you you decided to remove that tension. Like there's no why is that why introduce that character really? Mm. <laughs> I suppose it was that character was not to create tension. It was to create a kind of um, connection, maybe yeah, connection for. Um, uh, Kirk, but, but I mean, it was mentioned, wasn't it, that the the idea of responsibility was purely in Kirk's mind. No one else thought he was responsible. His mm. like, his like commanding officer wrote up a blow report for him. It wasn't his fault. He's an, he's an exemplary um, guy. He's brilliant at his job. He's this this was not in any way his fault. So no one else yeah. said that it was his fault. So presumably, then the, the the boy wouldn't grow up thinking it was his fault. Yeah, and, may, yeah. and maybe that's as well to establish that it's sort of Kirk's own neurosis. Yeah. It's not. It's not yeah. something. It's not something that's been put upon him. Like it's his own issue. Mm-hmm. I think. I think that's that's something that I did like about the episode is that it it kind of did show Kirk. In, in quite a bad light in in some ways or at least show kirk he's he's not the uh, sort of sort of bulletproof hero who always does the right thing or the you know he's a guy who's struggling with some insecurities that he has in, in his past you know this this thing that happened he's always beating himself up about this mistake that he thinks he made mm-hmm. 11 years ago and he's you know <clears throat> he thinks that's a problem within himself that he needs to fix and he's you know he's the captain of the ship but he's also he's dealing with this thing mm, that he thinks he needs to deal with his head. yeah 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 and i think that's interesting yeah um, yeah and yeah and i really like the the that spock and mccoy you know have to try and find a way to deal with that mm. um 
I also really liked it. I do. I think it is quite an exciting episode. Like I like the the kind of chase with the cloud. Yeah. Um, and it is, it is it is pretty pacey, and you know the the cloud is like it's a threat. You know they they don't have anything that they can fight against it with. It's it's a little bit like the Borg in that respect. It's just yeah. But at what point know, does the Borg run away? <laughs> This thing ran away. Um, so it's I not think... a relentless threat. <laughs> they are literally yeah, okay. chasing it as it tries to escape them. And there's no body horror uh, because the clown doesn't it's have a, a body. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but I suppose it's always like the cloud happened to be on that planet, had a quick snack because they happened to be there, then went off on its way. They chased it down. So... Um, but also, yeah. I suppose it's a gas. So technically, would we not be able to sort of put it into a pressurized canister and just keep it turned well, to off and put it in the fridge? Yeah, would it turn fine. into a liquid if you put it in the freezer. But, yeah, good point. Mm. Yeah, and then um, you just pour it down the drain, no problem. Well, they they tried um, when the cloud got onto the ship. Didn't Scotty flood one of the like impulse engines? <clears throat> Mm. Some kind of radioactive material, yeah. Like some of McCoy's uh, dodgy <laughs> drugs that he keeps <laughs> in his room. They just flush them down the toilet, and that <laughs> that frightened the creature away. Um, <laughs> so actually, they did they did have some sort of effective uh, attack against it. But it, but then again, yeah. And is that what then inspired them to to use the antimatter bomb? Mm. I think actually. Also, the, the yeah, again, that that to me that shows a bit of a lack of creative thinking on Spock's part, who normally would have scienced up a good, a better solution. Mm. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. They could have just just get someone to bring out Hoover, suck mm. <laughs> it up, suck it up. <laughs> well, they did that, didn't they? They reverse they reversed the pressure on the vents. Yeah, that's right. Well, they reversed the, the footage in the episode, <laughs> <laughs> and it made it go back into the vents. Yeah, it's um because we talk about how it's it creativity creatively. It was a great episode for showing a darker side of Kirk's character that he has this this guilt and this obsession he carries with him in it, and in what it does to him, and you know how it how he acts, and it shows this whole other fallible side but inadvertently i think the script also makes spock quite fallible and ineffective sadly mm. because yeah. he and mccoy should definitely have coming up with better approaches i much as i do love the scene when they go in and confront kirk and mccoy's like uh, and if i really want to relieve your command i just need one more guy this guy! <laughs> Surprise, <laughs> motherfucker! <laughs> I, do, I do love that bit, and I think it's really nicely done, and I like what it says about the, the trio and how they work. But, yeah, I just think Spock and McCoy should have pushed for trying to find, understand the creature a bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were having enough day, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they just thought the quickest thing would be just blow it, blow it up with the antimatter bomb, and then we can get these things to the York Tower rendezvous. I mean, it, to yeah. be fair, they were, yeah, more, more. They were distracted by that, by the, the yeah. by the plague, the uh, planet, planet-wide plague. Yeah, save a yeah. few people at the expense of an entire race. 
Yeah. We before um, before we started recording, actually, we were we were chatting about like why why is all that medicine so perishable? <laughs> <laughs> it's like has McCoy? What I imagine's happened is McCoy's just gone around and taken off all the lids because he wanted to try it. <laughs> <laughs> he whacked up on Google, doesn't he? I think he done. I think he'd opened it all up. Had a great night, and then yeah. the next day it's like, oh, oh no, it's going to expire. <laughs> and there's no room left in the fridge. And we've got no cling film. <laughs> can't even go, can't even seal it up again. Scott's <laughs> is, um, Scott is planning his big engineering barbecue, so all the fridge space is taken up with stuff. He's got. <laughs> yeah. That's what. And in, in, the, the next episode is um, after this is Wolf in the Fold, I think. So. At that barbecue, that's where he had that accident and started to <laughs> hate women. Sadly. Yeah, yeah, all came back yeah. According, according to McCoy, he did it anyway. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Totally according right. to McCoy in that episode, that I find dubious. McCoy was still whacked up on all of the um, <laughs> all, the, all the expired medication. <laughs> Beating himself too in this episode, yeah. I reckon. There is a point in this episode where something happens. I think it might be when the when the creature attacks the ship and like we've got we've only got two hours of oxygen left. They've got two hours of breathable air left. Yeah. And then and then I don't think that point is addressed later on when they're like, Oh, we better get to that ship which is what, eight hours away? <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> yeah, we just, we just sorted out the air thing. When it entered impulse engine number two's vent, it attacked two crewmen then got into the ventilating system, and now we have air for only two hours. Bones, one man has a chance for survival. The other is dead. You can add that little price tag to your monster hunt. That's enough, Bones. It's not enough. It was because it was in the vents and they had to shut off the vents, wasn't it? Ah, so once they cleared it, uh, okay. they could just turn it back on again. Fair okay. enough. Cool. Yeah, I get it. Cool. <laughs> but I don't know if they ever really explained that properly in the episode. That seemed like right. that was going to be a big point of... Of tension that they were going to run out of air, but it yeah. um, that it never mounted to anything. To well, do then they flushed out the vents, and it was all right. That's it. everyone flushed the toilet at the yeah. same time. <laughs> oh, it smells like honey. Lovely. <laughs> oh dear. Because <laughs> the, the creature smells like that, right? Like yeah. it smells uh, sort of sickly sweet, sort of. Yeah. 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 It's very yeah. Unless yeah. it's going home to spawn, then it smells like. Yeah. Which it might not even be doing. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's it's just a guess, isn't it? I mean, to imagine if, if Kirk completely misread that situation. It was just one of those expired medicines that McCoy had delivered. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's like the smell has changed and Spock's walking past with a quiche he's made. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's just me. It's my quiche. Got it, got it for the barbecue. I'm vegetarian, so I've got quiche. <laughs> is it expired? Yes. <laughs> yeah. it smells like it. Well, I've, I've, I've talked to the Yorktown. They've got some extra quiche. So once you get to that rendezvous, I'm good. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's why Scotty was so so angry in this episode. He just hates quiche. <laughs> really oh worried. Spock's yeah. quiche. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, see, I, th- I think. I, I really want to see this barbecue now. I think I think we've made this sound way more interesting. Yeah. yeah Spock and his quiche. 
Well, barbecue. The, the, that would be a great place for the cloud to show up because it could it could disguise itself as a cloud of barbecue smoke. It could. <laughs> Get people. But also, couldn't but couldn't you just give the cloud steak. creature like a steak? Like you yeah, wouldn't have exactly. to murder everybody. Yeah. Like, why don't you come? Why don't you come to our barbecue uh, cloud creature? <laughs> we got we got steaks you can have you don't have to murder everybody like oh, okay. thank you thank you <laughs> it smells of it smells of thanks <laughs> actually i just need red things ah red things we got loads of those guys <laughs> yeah. uh, i imagine scotty's barbecue is just he's opened up part of the engine core yes. he's just roasting it over the over the dilithium reaction yeah <laughs> oh she can't take no more steaks captain <laughs> McCoy's there just passing out expired medication ah <laughs> uh, good times yeah complaining <laughs> those were the days <laughs> everyone was on goofballs <laughs> oh dear. Uh, um, uh, yeah, I, I, I came into this episode thinking we're, we're going to be a bit more positive about Obsession. Yeah. But. Yeah, it's funny. I do like it. Like, yeah. I think it's a, yeah, it's, I think it's, it's a fun watch. It's... Yeah, it just, it just loses points for me because there's a few bits where I think, yeah, I think with, yeah, that, that's kind of maybe not the most, yeah, and I hate to sort of define a specific thing in Star trek way, but yeah, there's a, there's not a lot of effort to, contact or you know understand this creature mm. and i think yeah. that kind of lets it down a bit i love a lot of the stuff with kirk's obsession with the relationship they have and everything and everything that's really nicely done but yeah I, it just loses a few points for me there sadly it's not often i say that so. yeah as i think i think i just enjoyed it more as a maybe as a piece of tv you know as a good solid episode of something which is well paced and exciting but but i did but <clears throat> yeah i'm gonna i agree I, it, it was like the episode forgot like some of the ideals that star trek mm. strives for yeah and just maybe could have fixed that with just a just a scene that mm. would have explained why they aren't what you know why they they aren't trying to explore any communication options yeah you know. yeah well, I mean, it, when when Spock walked out of the quarters, he could have said, right then, um, it wasn't interested in my copper blood, but while it attacked me, I was able to make contact with its consciousness. It's a malevolent, malevolent being. It, it exists to destroy and feed another life. And, it, you know, the whole thing about it going home to spawn could have come through there. So. Yeah. A bit frustrating. Yeah, there you really. go. So. The 22nd line, that could have explained it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay, yeah. I'm, maybe we wouldn't have bought that either. <laughs> still, there was the phrase "fuck you, fuckers," and then it was gone. Needs <laughs> to die. It turns out the creature's it's a dick. massive dick. <laughs> dick. Yeah, I mean, I don't imagine the sixties effects, but as it, as it walked away, it could have just been flipping the, the bird as it left the impulse fence. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's I think it's worth watching 
so you kind of, I mean, if you've watched that episode of Prodigy, and oh, it's worth watching just to, to know who that character is. Yes. That, mm. that, that, yeah. that influenced that episode of, of Prodigy. And it is, it is a fun watch. Like, it's a perfectly watchable episode of the original series. Oh, it's yeah. not bad. It's not. It's not bad. It's not unwatchable or anything. It's just no. like we've been talking about for the last fifty minutes or so. Like it's maybe one of those ones where, with just like a little bit of a tweak, it it might have been a like a bit better or felt a bit more like it was a like a classic Star Trek episode. There's just yeah. just a slight different with a with a slight adjustment, which mm. is which is easy to say, you know, like. 60 or so years after, almost 60 years after the event <laughs> but but it was it was you know i i enjoyed watching it i thought it was a very enjoyable watch but i think all the points yeah. that we've covered yeah in this episode are are reasonable ones it's just it just it just needed maybe like a bit more refining like a bit more a bit more of a review of the script perhaps yeah I mean, it definitely. It was nice to watch an episode that wasn't uh, that wasn't horrifically sexist or probably <laughs> racist. So that's I like, good. I like that about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was it was more straightforward. Yeah. In its so, yeah. Like yeah. if Garavik, like if Gar- if Ensign Garavik had been the character who was wanted sort of vengeance, and Kirk was the character who was a sympathetic character, like. It feels like there were characters in this story that were better placed to be the to have those certain roles, like the mm. the mm. irrational the irrational character who just mm. wants to destroy it. I mean, that would be, but to be fair, that would be more sort of almost cliched, I guess, mm. like more mm. stereotypical. But if if Ensign Garavik had been the character that just wanted to destroy the cloud creature, and Kirk was more ambivalent about it. And, and other and other yeah. characters were like, well, we need to understand it. Like, yeah. if you had if you pitched it slightly differently with the characters that you had, I think you might have had more of an engaging story. Mm. I don't know. I, I like I liked that Kirk was yeah. the yeah uh, yeah. I mean, clearly Ahab character. Um, yeah. But no, I, but I don't like that. No one actually. No one brought him up on. They 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 kind of vaguely did, but then they backed mm. down. And then by the, I don't like that by the end of the episode, it seemed that actually he was right to be obsessed to hunt this creature down and destroy it. Mm. Whereas actually there was no evidence that it, that he was on the right path. Yeah. But it it just decided by the end of the show. Eh, yeah, he's probably fine that he killed it. And everyone's happy now. Yeah, I think yeah. it's, it's um, done. It's done a lot better in, say, First Contact. Yeah, where Lily goes in and tells you know calls Picard on his bullshit, mm-hmm. and um, he, st- he still carries on until he smashes up a, a up a glass case, and then then he then he feels the remorse. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> it, yeah, it was works better because it is it is if, it, if you're calling it obsession, it's about the obsession. Mm. But by the end, you're just saying. Well, yeah, it was, he was probably right, but was he? We don't know. We didn't explore any other options. But the, the, mm. the implication of the word obsession is that you are not right. Mm. Yeah. Really? And it was that, maybe that was 
part of the design of the episode was was the twist was it sort of meant to be a twist that actually in this case he was right mm, and sometimes I an guess. obsession is a can can lead to a positive yeah. outcome yeah it feels like an odd message, doesn't it? Does, it it does feel, yeah. but also there was no there was no evidence that he was right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that yeah. So if it had come, as you say, if there had been some communica- communication, or if it had been headed to a large um, a community that was going to get that would have been destroyed by it, or something like that, or another ship, and they had to save the ship, they had to kill it to save the ship, or something mm. like that, mm. then that would have worked. But, but it is a cloud, was... I guess. Like, how do you, like, how do you assess a cloud? Like, <laughs> yeah. it's like, it, like, if, like, if, like, like Dracula or a vampire, like that guy's a, that guy's a bit off. Like, he seems a bit, <laughs> like, he seems like a nice guy, but. He was always really? looking at my neck. Like, he was always looking at my neck. Like I don't, I don't know what that was about. Like there's <laughs> something off about him. But a cloud, like, well, I don't know with this cloud. Like, I don't know where it's looking. Well, I don't know where. It, yeah, I don't know where it's looking. Like, <laughs> they should have got the ship's meteorologist. To, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's but that's that. That is a, <laughs> that is a. I think we've all raised really good points. I think. Ultimately, I think I, I did like this episode. It's not it's not a bad episode at all. Um, it's it, evidently it's one that's left a lot of questions, <laughs> and it's a, it's a talk yeah. and, it, and it's one you can talk about. Yeah, so. it's it, it, it's a it's a good episode that could that feels like it could have been great if it had made a couple of different choices. Mm. So. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, and like I think like you guys have said, like just. Just a bit more, just certain bits of dialogue, maybe between characters, really? just a, a bit more of a, a bit to establish certain things in the narrative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think that, I think that brings us to a to a, a logical conclusion, um, or an illog- illogical <laughs> conclusion. <laughs> I fumbled that. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a good way to go out. I, I think. think so. I think it's fitting. Always. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for listening, everyone. Um, we'll be back in the future with more episodes, of course. Yeah. Uh, possibly uh, we'll continue to attack the writing choices of pe- the people made 60 years ago. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, it makes us feel pretty big. It does. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cool. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Cheers. Bye bye. Thank you. Do you realize how incredible this is? It's tradition. You ever noticed her bum? What? Her bum. Oh, no. I will say. I will say. Fewer things. Fewer things. Okay. Enough of this self indulgence. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, our website is www.loweredexradio.co.uk. You can reach us on the Twitters at at 10 backward, 10 being the number and backward being the word backward. We're also on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash 10 backward podcast. You can also email us at crew at lowerdexradio.co.uk. On a personal, individual level, my Twitter is at Wilt Herland. 
Rick Everson's Twitter is at TrekFanRick. And Rick Palmer's Twitter is at Mr. Imhotep. Hi, thank you again for listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, you might consider supporting us. We have now have a Patreon uh, where people can uh, pledge small amounts to fund uh, ongoing projects like uh, keeping our website up to date, uh, um, new audio equipment as we're going along, and potentially uh, opportunities to expand our content. Uh, you can go look at this at patreon.com forward slash lower decks radio uh, if you don't feel you can donate but would still like to support us we would love it if you could subscribe to us or however get your podcast through itunes stitcher google play or we're on various third-party apps and if you could leave us a review on any of those that would be fantastic and would be very appreciative thanks again for listening and please tune in for more podcasts from the 10 backward crew let's make sure history never forgets the name 10 backward Daddy, don't you think you should rephrase that? Ten backward. Ten backward. Dr. McCoy thought you might say something like that. This is his officially logged prescription for you. It has one word on it, eat. Now, if you don't follow his orders, Dr. McCoy could and possibly would have you hauled down to sickbay and fed intravenously.